0: Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. All right, never just another Sunday, especially in January, right? <laughs> you never know what you're going to wake up. I'm proud of you all for venturing out in the snow apocalypse this morning. Well, good morning. I, I, I'm so excited about this series. Thank you. Not just because of, you know, the fun stuff that we do around here. You never quite know what Jason's going to pull out or <laughs> what we're going to do around here, but because God shows up here, right? Because when we're together, he is with us. And last Sunday morning, uh, standing out on my back porch at like 5.59 a.m., and I know this because... <laughs> At 6 o'clock, the loudest church bells ever. And and we live like two blocks maybe from a church, but I, ju- I just had never heard them quite so clearly. And I don't know if it was just a Sunday morning and things were quiet, it was still dark. My dogs were running around, that's why I was back there. But it, it just felt like they could have been right next to me. And in my initial probably annoyed reaction <laughs> that early in the morning was, oh my goodness, they're loud, like all the people that live next to them, man. But then I thought, you know, historically, church bells were pretty useful, actually. Before, uh, we all had clocks in our houses and on our wrists and in our pockets. People used them to, to mark the time, to mark certain times of the day. And I thought, how cool that the church could provide that, right? That we could be that accessible, that helpful, To the community around us. And I go there and I started to think about all the ways that that church probably goes throughout their business on a Sunday morning, right? They have stained glass windows, beautiful ones, and and just the awe that that must create in the devout people of that church, right? It's an atmosphere builder. And I started to think about our church and, and how we build atmosphere. And maybe it's a little different with wall projection and Fancy LED lights and a loud band. It's building the same atmosphere of wonder and awe. We get compliments all the time on on that atmosphere. But it's all meant to point us toward Jesus. And I love how, you know, we all get to work together on that, right? I, I get to create cool little sermon points and graphics for my sermons because those Smarty Pants back there created all of this, right? I could never do all of this, but I get to use my creativity built on theirs. You know what I mean? When we work together, and that's what the church was always meant to do, to God and get us in community. And it's still doing that today. It might not be stained glass windows and church bells at every church anymore, but it's still putting people in community and leading them toward Jesus. But it doesn't always happen quite that way, does it? See, in our humanness, we sometimes get things wrong. We get things twisted and backwards. We get focused on all the wrong things. And it was no different in Jesus' time. In fact, today we're going to read in John 2, if you want to go ahead and get there, verse 13, how Jesus handled some things going wrong in his church So, John 2, verse 13. Now, this passage comes at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He had gotten baptized. He had done the whole turning water into wine thing. He had gone home for a little bit, and then he entered in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And the first place we see him going is the temple. So, verse 13, let's start reading. When the Passover feast, celebrated each spring by the Jews, was about to take place, Jesus traveled up to Jerusalem. He found the temple teeming with people, selling cattle and sheep and doves. The loan sharks were also there in full strength. Jesus put together a whip out of strips of leather and chased them out of the temple, stampeding the sheep and cattle, upending the tables of the loan sharks, spilling coins left and right. He told the dove merchants, get your things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a shopping mall. That's when his disciples remembered the scripture, zeal for your house consumes me. Other versions say, passion for your house consumes me. But the Jews were upset. They asked, what credentials can you present to justify this? Jesus asked, tear down the temple, and in three days, I'll put it back together. They were indignant. It took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to rebuild it in three days? Really, Jesus, Right? But Jesus was talking about his body as the temple. Later, as he was raised from the dead, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this. They then put two and two together and believed both what was written in scripture and what Jesus had said. It's an odd passage, right? See, we, we tend to put Jesus in these, in these little boxes of thinking. We, we think of God as either a God of love He loves everyone, and he accepts everyone, and and anything goes with God. And God is love, right? So we're right about that. Then there's the other side of it, where we think that God is wrath. God is angry. God is upset with everything that I do. And he's the big guy in the sky wagging his finger at me all the time, condemning everything that I do. The problem with both kinds of thinking is he's not one or the other. He's both. He's all of it a much, much bigger God than we can ever fathom. And we have, we have trouble with this Jesus. Right? Because we thought Jesus taught love and peace and harmony, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Right? That's what he was all about. And he was. Just not in the way that we expected all of the time. So let me give you just a little bit of background into this. See, the only way this Jesus makes sense, if is if we know who he was, not just study what he did all of the time. Remember the called series? When we know who we are, it's much easier to understand what we do. It makes decisions for us, and passion makes decisions for us. See, the very first place we see Jesus going in Jerusalem was the temple. We see this as a pattern throughout his life, in fact, when he was 12 years old and his parents brought him to Jerusalem for a celebration, they went home, they actually left without him, figuring he was somewhere in the family, in the caravan. He wasn't, so they had to turn back, right? Looked all over the city, retraced their steps, were getting frantic, couldn't find him, finally found him in the temple. And what did he say? Do you remember this story? said, Jesus, where were you? Why would you do this to us? We were terrified as any parent would. And Jesus said, why wouldn't you assume that I was here in my father's house? This is where I always am. It's where I always want to be. Why would you not assume that I am here? And don't we do the same thing? We go looking for Jesus in all the wrong places sometimes of looking in his father's house. Even at the very end of his life on earth, at the very end of his ministry, Mark 14, we see this, this scene where he's crying and, and praying and literally sweating blood, right? Wrestling with God about what he's about to do. And the soldiers show up and the religious leaders show up and they arrest him and he says, wasn't I with you every day in the temple? You know me, guys. What are you doing here? Wasn't I with you every day? Every day that he was in Jerusalem, he was in that temple. He had a passion for his father's house. And we're going to talk a little bit about what went wrong here. But the the first thing you have to understand is his passion, his deep passion passion for the church and sure he was also found on the hilltops and in the town and on the boats and interacting with people absolutely he wasn't confined to the temple all day every day he went out interacted with his community but every day he was in that temple as well loving the people that were looking for his father you know god abides in the praises of his people It's what his word says. He abides in the praises of his people. He is in the praises of his people. It's not because of the the band and the lights and the music that we've experienced God's presence here necessarily. It's because all of us together are praising the name of Jesus. He is there. That's what he does. He abides in the praises of his people. It also says where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. There I am. It's no wonder Jesus wanted to be in his father's house because people were gathered in his name, worshiping the creator of heaven and earth. He wanted to be there with them, with him. I had a friend a while ago come to me and say, you know, we haven't talked in a while. Where have you been? And I, I mean, my immediate response was, what do you mean where have I been? I've been working at Freedom Valley in May. It'll be 10 years And 50 out of 52 weekends of the year, I'm here. Every Sunday, every Saturday night, every Wednesday, and like most of the days in between. Right? I've been here. Where have you been? (laughs) See, I I, want to say this as realistically as I can, but I'm also saying it prophetically. This is what I want to be true in my life. That I am always, every single day, seeking Jesus, that's where my life is headed. That's where I want it to be headed. Sure, I have bad days. We all do, right? But I want to be every single day pursuing Jesus. And if you're there, running along beside me, we got something to talk about, right? If you're not, I'm gonna try my best connect with you on that level. But I, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm pursuing my Father. I think that's what Jesus was. was He was modeling for us. He gave us an example to follow, right? He was pursuing his father. His disciples came along with him. The people that wanted to get near him, he hadn't gone anywhere. He was in his father's house. He had a passion for his father's house. You know, we wanted to teach the series, Never Just Another Sunday, because every single Sunday we should come in to these doors with The opportunity in mind, we have an opportunity to meet with our Heavenly Father. We also have an opportunity to encourage each other, to help each other, to minister to each other. Some of us have been attending church forever, but have never taken that next step. We want to show up, slip in, do worship, slip out, never talk to anybody, never take start class, never get involved in a ministry team, right? We, We don't have anything to give in to the church. We're not passionate about it. Showing up every week is religion. When you boil down to it, it's the heart with which you show up that matters. Get involved. Get passionate about it because it's where God's people are. We I, I had, uh, before I worked here, so years ago, I worked at... Um, an American clothing restoration company and I had this friend who we weren't that much alike to be honest our personalities were very very different but she believed in Jesus she had been raised a Christian her whole life and we had that to connect with it was like we were instant friends everybody we worked with were like how long have you guys known each other and I was like like a week I don't know we just became instant friends there's this kindred spirit when you get around other people that believe in Jesus, you can overlook a whole lot of differences when you both believe in Jesus. The next job I had, there was a girl that worked with me that was very much like me. We had similar personalities, so similar interests, but she wasn't a believer. It was hard to like bridge that. I had a passion for Jesus and I tried to give that to her, but her walls were up, you know? We, we couldn't quite connect on that level. Passion is actually singular in focus. We see that modeled in Jesus' life over and over and over. Passion is easy to see. It's worn on your sleeve, right? It's who you are. And like I said, it makes decisions for you. When you're passionate about something, you can easily say no to the things you're not passionate about. It makes decisions easy. But sometimes being passionate is, Means being angry. Sometimes it means being angry. Sometimes I wake up with a fire in my belly that could only have come from God. And and I had trouble with that for a while. Because I thought anger, it usually leads to sin. (laughs) Usually leads to acting out in that anger and lashing out at the people around me, hurting people around me or myself. But actually, anger is just an emotion. Emotions aren't inherently evil. In fact, they're God-given. It's what we do with the anger that can become sinful, right? Jesus was perfect. Perfect. Never sinned. Never made a mistake, right? Nothing that would come between him and God. It was singular and focus in that way. So he was angry here. Do you see where I'm going with this? He couldn't have been sinful in his anger. He was passionate about something. What was going on here? I I think Jesus knew that he couldn't be perfect and passive at the same time. Couldn't be perfect and passive at the same time. And therefore, neither can we. Not all the time sometimes it, it gets to the point where that you you are actually complicit in the wickedness if you don't step up and do something about it jesus was in that t- <laughs> i went there. jesus was in that temple every day walking by the loan sharks walking by the people taking advantage of the ones who were coming to look for god he couldn't let it go any longer. There came a point when he began his ministry when he had to cleanse that temple because otherwise he was complicit. The, passive, the definition of passive is actually accepting or allowing what happens or what others do without active response or resistance. This is where the whole lukewarm thing comes in, right? When we're lukewarm for God, it means we, we have one foot in and one foot out We can't quite make a decision because we're too passive about the evil in the world. We're too passive about our relationship with God. We're not hot. We're not cold. We're just lukewarm. And we see over and over a a theme throughout Scripture. God has a problem with that because you can't do it both ways. can't have it God's way and the world's way. Pick one. Be all in. Be passionate for God. You can't have it both ways. Passionate. Not passive. Jesus wasn't passive. He did things about the evil in this world. He was a passionate guy, and at some point, righteousness rises up in anger. That's what it does. God has a righteous anger. Sometimes he sees people being misused in this world, sees us mistreating each other, and the righteous anger comes out. It does in us sometimes, too, when we're following him. Passionate, not passive. I think this is where, you know, hardworking Christians sometimes will come to us and, you know, I work in this wicked environment. People are just awful at my workplace. And now that I'm a Christian, I don't, I don't know what to do about it because I don't agree anymore. What do, what do I do? Well, oh, passion, again... Makes decisions for you. When you know who you are, you know what you have to do. And I don't necessarily mean quit. (laughs) Back away slowly. Sometimes you got to step up and do something about it. Set an example for everyone else. Flip some tables. The wickedness in the world, you can't walk by it anymore. Passion makes decisions for you. Leaders fix what's wrong, wrong with the world. Can't sit back and complain about it. Behind closed doors, back away slowly. Hands up. Leaders, fix it. Jesus has called us to be leaders in our world, to set an example for the world, to be the light on the hill, the salt of the earth. Step up and do something about it. Jesus was passionate. First and foremost, he was passionate about his father's house. Why aren't we... Passion consumes me. Zeal for his house consumes me. Passion is singular and focused. You know, I love how Jesus responded when the religious leaders came to him and said, What right do you have to flip tables in our temple? How dare you? He said, Tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. Just in the, the genius of of God, Jesus is always answering these genius answers. that They're like, what on earth could you possibly mean by that? But he was speaking to their heart because he knew they didn't worship God. They actually worshiped the temple. They worshiped the, the four walls where God resided, not the God of the temple itself. They would never even dream of harming the temple because that was their, that was how they made their prophets off the people that came in wouldn't mess with that ecosystem, right? Couldn't possibly. You know, some people take this this um, passage out of context. They, they say, you know, how, how dare you have a cafe in your church that's selling it? Jesus didn't like selling things in the temple. We see that clearly here. To which I usually respond, well, if the cafe made any money, we <laughs> might have a problem. It, it doesn't. So we're, I think we're good. See, Jesus didn't have a problem with selling things in the temple necessarily. He had a problem with the loan sharks, with, with taking advantage of people in the temple. FV Cafe doesn't take advantage of people. It's meant as a service. We help out moms that are rushing in the door trying to get their kids a snack before they go back. We offer free coffee and some books that might help you with your faith. It's not, we're not taking advantage of people. We're serving them. That's what it's all about. See, Jesus, over and over and over, we see him Speaking to the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. If you take his teachings as a whole, he boils things down a lot. At one point, they were trying to trap him. I said, what does it all come down to? What's the most important commandment, right? And he said, I think it really all boils down to love God and love people, right? Love God and love people. That's the spirit of all of the laws. At one point that they tried to trap him again with with a a tithing thing. Like, you have to give your 10%. You're not in the kingdom of God, right? And he said, yeah, you should tithe. Sure, but don't neglect the more important things like generosity and mercy and loving people. The spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. He came to fulfill all of those laws and give us freedom in Christ. Help us. Boil it all down to love God and love people. Jesus never used force to drive people into the temple. Only ever to drive the corrupt out. Instead of making that house a witness to all nations, those religious leaders were selfish, covetous, robbing people, their hard-earned money, acting just like all the surrounding Religions, no difference between them and the the goddesses, the temples that were all over Jerusalem, no difference. Covetous robbers, taking advantage of people. And it, it was a fundamental failure of Israel as a nation. Instead of being that light on a hill, instead of being an example to all of the people around them. You know, Jerusalem and the temple were the central representatives of God in that culture. Set up to be such. Instead of redeeming the nations, Israel was just wallowing in their own fallen nature. No different from the people around them. Their laws, their rules that God had set up for them was to set them apart. They kept going back. Kept wanting to be like everybody else. Doesn't that sound familiar? We want to be Christians. We want to follow Jesus, but we want to just blend in, too. Be like everybody else. Maybe they won't notice that I'm weird. I'm a Jesus freak. Maybe they won't notice. That's not actually the point. We're meant to be that light on the hill, the salt of the earth. We're meant to stand out, not hide our light under a bushel, right? Be a representative of Jesus. This year, we need to get excited about God's house, not because of the lights the worship the atmosphere the stained glass the bells because Jesus is here God is with us when we praise him he's here he's always been here we just have to decide to be here too this is why we have things like heart and soul tonight six o'clock shameless plug come to work on our ministries, not just in them. To serve people better. To get passionate about the church and what it does for people. To say, how can we do it better? How can we be an example to our world? Better. Let's do it better. Some people they actually use this passage as an excuse to beat people up with their anger. Well, now I have to go on Facebook and correct every corrupt thing in my world. That's not quite the point. Jesus had a right to make the changes in the temple because of his anointed position. The church is his bride, right? They are one. We don't all have the right to make changes in other people's lives and other churches. That's, That's not what this is. In fact, when Jesus said, tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days, he was calling himself now the temple. And the temple, because of Jesus, now resides in every single one of us. We, our soul, is the very carrier of the Spirit of God. There is no more holy of holies. He doesn't reside in four walls. This place is not holy just because we call it so. It's holy because we're here. The Spirit of God comes with us and it leaves with us. We are now the temple. The house of God isn't a place anymore, it's a people. It's us. What table of corruption are you allowing in the house of God? Because it's not other people's tables we should be flipping, it's the ones in our own soul. The ones inside of each and every one of us that we walk by every day, no problem with. The ones that we excuse away over and over and over. I am full of excuses. I think every single one of us is. And I tell them most often to myself, right? I, I see behavior in my life that I don't like and, oh, I was having a bad day. Right? I hadn't had coffee yet. I, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Instead of saying, why would I act that way? Now really, why? I'm not allowing myself the excuse anymore. Be honest with myself. I was acting out of pride, and I need to kill that, or lust, or greed, or fear. It's most often fear in my life I'm acting out of. If I, if I really drill down on why I would say that, why I would react in that way, I'm scared. But I don't need to be scared. I have Jesus in my life that covers all of that, gives me a grace. I don't have to be everything all the time. I don't have to be perfect. I need to rely on him, allow him to flip the tables in my own heart. Upend the greed, the lies, the deception in my own heart. You know, there's a lot of scholars that think Jesus here was actually mirroring some Levitical law, some priestly duties set up way back in Leviticus when God started all of this and freed the Israelites. And and it's actually a very common misconception that Jesus only flipped the tables once. We see four different stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All the Gospels mention Jesus flipping tables. The difference is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic Gospels, the one that all sort of tell the same story, They all tell the story of Jesus flipping tables at the end of Jesus's ministry. John tells a different story. We actually see him getting baptized, doing the water and the wine thing, and then he immediately, beginning of his ministry, comes into Jerusalem and flips tables. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell a story of right at the end of his ministry, right before he was arrested, betrayed. All of that happened. He flipped tables there. And what scholars think is Jesus was actually mirroring priestly duties of getting corruption out of a house. And what happened was back in the day before they had, you know, central air and all the things that we have to build houses, there would sometimes come into a home some kind of corruption, like a physical Corruption, mold or something on the walls, some, something that would make it uninhabitable. And they would call on the priests. And the priest would come in. He'd actually circle the place on the wall. He'd kick everybody out for seven days, say no one should be in here for seven days, and he'd get rid of the corruption, send it outside the camp or the town or whatever. And in seven days, he'd come back and he'd check. And if the corruption, whatever it was, had spread past his circle, he'd say, we got to tear the whole place down. It all goes, we're going to start fresh. If not, he'd just patch the hole, repair the plaster, whatever, say, come on, guys, move back in. You're good to go. And I think what happened here was Jesus marking the spot, saying, there's corruption in my father's house. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm kicking it out. I'm marking this spot. But when I come back by the end of my ministry, if it has come back, if it's spread... We have to tear the place down. Get rid of it completely. I have to go through with the whole thing on the cross. Right? It was a confirmation. It was confirmation of all the prophecy over hundreds of years throughout the Bible. That this system had to be fulfilled and a new one built. You know, Jesus was actually the first one to utter the word church as we use it today. Ecclesia. It's a Greek word. He invented the church. He fulfilled the law. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. And he created something new, beautiful, free, full of hope, the church. It's us. We don't have to jump through all those Levitical hoops anymore. All we have to do is call on the name of Jesus. His sacrifice covers everything. It's never been easier in history to have a relationship with our creator God, the guy that made all of this possible, put us here on this earth to learn from him and have a relationship with him. Jesus made all of that possible. Now, our responsibility is to remove those tables of corruption in our own lives, drip away everything that comes between us and him, to crucify our flesh on the cross with Jesus and try to become more like him every day. But today, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes, give everybody sort of a a minute (laughs) with themselves and God. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's useful to teach us, correct us, rebuke us when we need it. (laughs) Make us a people that loves your discipline, even when it's painful, because it makes us more healthy, (laughs) more open to who you are. If you're sitting there today and you're thinking, you know, I, I, I do, I need to become more passionate about the church The new house of God, the thing that Jesus set up as the hope of the world. I've been sitting back for too long, not giving in to the people around me, not serving the people that I go to church with. And I want to fix that this year. I want to be more passionate about the church. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Just to commit to you and God. Awesome. Amen. Hands everywhere. Thank you. Maybe you're more, you know, I... I, Identify today some places where I've been allowing corruption in my house, in God's house, my soul. I need to flip some tables in my own life this year. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Awesome. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Just one more. If you've never had a relationship with your creator God, you want to commit your life to Jesus today. You want to ask him for the forgiveness he so freely gives and claim it in your own life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? See one, two, three. Amen. Father, thank you so much for those three beautiful souls that committed their lives to Jesus today. Meet them in that place. Father, make yourself real to them. As they begin this journey of figuring out this whole Jesus thing, just be with them. Give them grace in your presence, peace and hope that can only come from you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word, God. Amen. Commit yourself this year to loving God wholeheartedly and loving people genuinely. Let's be that vibrant, passionate, selfless church God has called us to be so that we can change the world with the message of the gospel. Don't allow any Sunday to just be another Sunday. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fe.church/IMn And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. Are ready to go yes we are
1: but, yeah you know like i said we don't. i said in my home group this week we don't make any mistakes but it might take too long to do it <laughs> all right you ready yes <clears throat> welcome to home groups where we apply the message we heard this weekend at freedom valley church this week Candace preached the second installment in our Heart for the House series, and we talked a lot about how Jesus was zealous and passionate for his house.
0: Yeah, passion requires the lack of being passive, right? Jesus was perfect in every way. He never made a mistake or had sin in his life. So it kind of requires that when he sees evil, he has to address it. He has to do something about it. Passion, not passive he had to address the evil in his life. And that meant God's house had to be cleansed.
1: And one of the things he did is he looked right into the eyes of the individual selling the doves and he says, get this out of my house. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for us to identify what is in our house, our spiritual home for the, the Holy Spirit, what's in our lives that needs to be removed. You know, Jesus looks at us and he says, get it out deal yeah. with it because he knows it, it's not healthy those money changers they were stealing from the people they were they were selling things at exorbitant prices and it wasn't good so he said
0: selfish, not selfish
1: selfish not selfless and, and he wanted it out and we actually wanted you guys to have read before uh, home groups today psalm 51 and i just want to read one verse from that purify me from my sins and i will be clean wash me and i will be whiter than snow. When Jesus had that whip and he was driving them out, he was purging the temple in a way only he could. He was the perfect one and he drove it out. Are we willing to have Jesus drive the sin out of our lives? And that is isn't comfortable.
0: No, he was demonstrating his willingness to come in and help. That's right. And, and really all we need is a willingness to purge the stuff out of our lives that's coming between us and God. We just have to say, God, I'm willing help me. And he does. Jesus comes in and helps us flip the tables and say, there's no going back to how it was before.
1: That's really good. So in our groups today, we'll talk a little bit about maybe the things in our life that need purged and removed. We'll talk about taking active roles in that and then flipping the tables and, and starting fresh, removing the sin and moving forward, attaining his perfection and his righteousness.
0: Yeah. Have a great discussion, guys.
1: We'll See you next week.